We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Family. I get it. You're scared that you're going to miss the way that it was. So what do we do? I guess be scared and do it anyway. The Young Sheldon season premiere, Thursday, 8, 7 central on CBS. Microband 24 protects against Staphylococcus aureus and Enterobacter aerogenes bacteria, but does not provide 24-hour protection against viruses. Every time you touch a surface, you leave behind bacteria. To keep surfaces sanitized all day, use Microband 24. Spray on hard surfaces to kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria initially. Once dry, Microband 24 is effective for 24 hours on bacteria when used as directed. Microband 24 Sanitizing Spray, Bathroom, and Multi-Surface Cleaner. Is your car battery really dead? Maybe it's a bad connector, or your battery just needs a charge. Find out the answer at AutoZone, America's number one battery destination, with free testing, free charging, and Duralast batteries. The batteries more consumers choose. Get in the zone. AutoZone. These are headlines from the Modelo Especial Sports Update Center. Thanks to a thwarted late-game two-point conversion, Tampa Bay was able to hold off the Giants 24-23 on Monday Night Football. Miami plays Arizona Sunday at 4.30. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver is pushing for a December 22nd start to a 72-game season. He fears if the league starts any later, it could cost him up to $1 billion in revenue. Tight end Brevin Jordan is said to be healthy and expected to play Friday at 7.30 when the 11th-ranked Hurricanes take on NC State. Listen to it here on 560 to Joe. The Panthers have re-signed for another year their free agent prospect Mason Marshmont. The forward is the son of former NHL player Brian Marshmont. Sources say due to the volume in canceled and moved games this season, the NFL is considering a 16-team playoff to offset the money lost. As of now, 14 is the official number that will participate in this postseason. Headline sponsored by Modelo Especial, the perfect beer for your home tailgate. Modelo Especial, a beer brewed with the fighting spirit. Now to the Exergen Weather Center. Tonight's forecast, windy with temperatures in the mid-70s. I'm Dan Day, and now back to Hurricane Hotline, hosted by Joe Zagaki and Don Bailey Jr. here on 560 The Joe WQAM. It's Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. Welcome back, everyone, to the Hurricane Hotline as we continue this week, Miami and football will take on North Carolina State. Kickoff will be at 7.30, and we'll be on the air at 3.30 with our pregame show. But we continue now on the hotline with our coaches edition of the hotline. We now turn to University of Miami baseball and joining us, University of Miami head coach Gino Damari. And, uh, well, Gino, first of all, how you doing? I'm doing good, Joe. It's uh, I appreciate you asking. It's good It's good to be able to talk with you because it – it feels like it's getting uh, we're talking baseball even though we got a few months to go before we start but we're right in the middle of our fall practice and um it's always nice hearing your voice i know that i have to tell you a quick funny story i am uh, we're doing a lot of work now out of mark light stadium out of your baseball stadium for the football season and i, I went over there one day because we were going to do a tv show and i walked into the stadium and i immediately walked over to the clubhouse as I was going to go in the door, and I stopped myself and said, 
you dummy, you're not here to go see Gino. You're here to do a, a football TV show. But I'm so accustomed to going to see you when I go into the stadium. It's hard. It's hard to break habits. Yeah, <laughs> that's fun. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, certainly, I guess things have changed. There's no doubt when you're doing uh, your show and games and stuff from over here. But uh, I'm glad we're able to accommodate you. <laughs> All right, well, when the pandemic started, we, we had just started, really, college baseball, and you were just into the uh, conference season, and you had a heck of a team. How uh, Now that you reflect on that, uh, how did you manage to get through it and really had to be heartbreaking? It was. Uh, you know, it was a, <clears throat> a tough situation. Uh, I know – I mean, we've you and I've spoken about this, and I won't go into length, but just so many things transpired from the moment we uh, were driving back home from Central Florida, which was the last game we played, um, and the moment of just the unknowing, uh, the future. Uh, just uh, you come home, but we're not sure what what's going to take place. But we know we're not going to Virginia Tech to play, and you're hoping, oh my goodness, we'll just hopefully figure this out. We, you know, this thing's going to pass us, and oh, what did we? you know, obviously in for a rude awakening with what is, what has taken place. It's been a long, long off season. I, 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 it's, it's been very slow. It's just an unusual thing. Never been used to this. Players are used to playing. Athletes are used to working out. Coaches are used to either coaching, recruiting on the road or we're, you know, we're out on the field. Just uh, a very, very unusual thing. And again, I'm sure for a lot of people, uh, everybody, obviously we're all in this together. I've said that many a times, but, um, it, it certainly was a shame because we felt like we had a team, you know, we, you, you work hard to uh, put the team in place that you think can make a run at this. And, uh, you know, we had it, the, the pieces of the puzzle, certainly from a pitching standpoint in the rotation was as good as we felt like we've ever had. And, you know, when those guys are throwing, you got a chance to win every game with those guys. And, uh, and then, you know, of course we had a lot of returning guys back from a good offensive team. And so we felt like, this was a, a year for us that we could make a really good run at it, um, and it got taken away from us. And so I think it's a little different feeling than teams that maybe didn't feel like they have a run. Uh, and I know there was other teams that felt the same way we did. So it's uh, it's a tough thing to swallow. But, uh, you know, if we're going to be the program I expect us to be at Miami, we got to be each year and year out. we got to have a team we put on the field that we think can get to Omaha and win. And so, and I feel good about this team uh, that we got coming up, but, um, and that's all we can do. We can't, we can't look back. We just got to look forward. All right. You are back out on the field. Uh, two things. What has stood out for you during fall ball? And two, you do have the orange and green world series coming up this week. So uh, what has stood out and what are your expectations of the, of the world series? Well, we're three weeks into fall. We got two more weeks to go. And like you said, yes, the world series will start this, uh, this upcoming week on Wednesday. Which was always fun. The players, we have some of our uh, leading uh, veteran guys. They came in yesterday after our practice, and and they do a draft. We do a draft with them. They draft the teams, and then uh, they'll coach the teams and run them. And uh, uh, we put some rules in place, make sure guys don't get uh, overused, obviously on a pitching standpoint and things like that. But uh, yeah, I think the thing that stand out to me is the. Uh, you know the 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 young guys. We've had we have some really talented young players. Uh, not surprising, our you know our recruiting class was ranked number one in the country in a number of polls, and uh, so we knew we were going to have some talented guys. I think I've been most impressed with just the character of the guys. I've been very very excited about. It's fun coaching guys that want to get coached, that want to get better, that have great attitudes, that love to play the game, and uh, these young guys. I've been just it's just very, very exciting. And then, of course, with all our veteran guys coming back, it's just, I think, a really good balance uh, of guys that have been here before and know what it takes and are hungry because a lot of those guys were on that team last year, the veteran guys that got it taken away from them. Those guys are hungry to be back. And then, of course, uh, you know, with these young guys, uh, it's just uh, very exciting for us. You mentioned your veteran players uh, coming back, Terrell, Gill, uh, Villar, uh, Del Castillo. I guess you got a Del Castillo brother as well. Uh, wh what kind of impact do you expect from your veteran players? Well, certainly uh, on the leadership standpoint, you know, I expect our guys, the veteran guys, and they've done a good job of, you know, just showing these guys, you know, um, the ways of you know, how things are done here. And, you know, it's always good to have guys. To, you hear the coach 
say it so many times. Sometimes it's better to hear it from the players, their 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 peers, in terms of their teammates and veteran guys. That, guys, this is the way we do things here. We're not going to do it this way. We're going to do it this way, and this is the expectations. And so it's good to have those guys. Certainly from that standpoint. Obviously, I mean, you just name right right in the middle of our lineup from an offensive standpoint. Lala is back as well, who's been our leadoff hitter for the last couple of years. And Jenkins, who's been in and out of the lineup, he's actually been hurt with he had an injury in his ankle, but he's starting. He's going to be playing the World Series. He's been getting at bats. He looks as strong as I've seen him. And then, of course, you got Gabe Rivera. I'm just naming the outfield there, uh, a returning guy. But Terrell and, and Villar and Del Castillo uh, on the offensive standpoint. Uh, Gill actually had a a tough injury the other day and um uh he's going to be out the rest of the fall but he'll be back he'll be he'll be um ready for the season but he won't he'll, he'll miss the rest of the fall but you know and then pitching wise obviously we've got to re- we got to replace those those guys that i mentioned yeah. to you the three and bell and mcmahon and Sacconi. um and uh you know we we have uh, some veteran guys coming back we've got a number of new pitchers um, that um, you know, guys that are going to have to learn that they, they're going to have to step in and play right away and be able to pitch right away. And number of transfer guys, got a number of transfer guys and some uh, freshmen uh, with this pitching class, and so that's the one thing probably that stands out that we're going to have to really uh, do a good job uh, of developing these guys and getting them ready uh, because I think from an offensive standpoint and defensive standpoint, I think we're going to be as good as we've been in a long time defensively. And uh, offensively, we should be good, too, as well. I should mention uh, one of the biggest changes in your program is down the right field line, the brand-new Jimmy and Kim Klotz Indoor Player Development Center, which opened this semester an incredible facility. What kind of impact will that have on your program? Well, it already has. We, we you know, in the fall, we, just, we, we haven't had the greatest of luck with weather. Uh, even last, last spring, I recall playing series and pouring rain and just, uh, and just the shortened 16 games that we played, we didn't have great weather and it's carried over to the fall. Uh, I'd say half of our practices, uh, when we were during in September, or October, uh, we were doing our, uh, individual workouts. We got rained on and, you know, lightning and it was coming down good. So the for the first time we had somewhere to go, which we haven't had in all these years. And the indoor facility has been, I think I used the term game changer. It's been huge for us, Joe. It really has. We haven't we haven't we don't we don't have to worry about missing a day with weather. We can always go in there and get a lot of work done. And uh, so from a development standpoint, which is the most important thing that's there for us, develop the players. Uh, it certainly has served its purpose already in just a few months. And then, of course, well, recruiting hasn't come to play yet because recruits can't come on campus with the COVID. Uh, we're in a dead period. But you know, when that changes, you know, obviously that's going to be a, another big uh, point for us in recruiting and helping us get players because it's, it's, it's not only a, it's a beautiful indoor facility. We're able to do a lot of things, Joe, but it's got a lot of equipment in there that can help guys in terms of technology and uh, guys being able to see themselves and be able to really break down their swings and pitchers and their uh, mechanics and throwing because we have multiple bulb. We have three bullpens in there. We've got uh, a lot of lanes for hitting many, many machines, different kinds of machines and all the different cameras and uh, technology that's uh, state of the art. So it's, it's just been so it's, it's been so exciting for me to be able to know that our guys don't have to waste a day or days, and it would have been a number of days that we can do things in there and, and continue to get better day in, day out. And of course, Jimmy Klotz is a great University of Miami fan and really loves uh, University of Miami baseball and has for a long time. So happy that he was able to do that for your program. I think back to the last time we were, we were at the NCAA regional tournament uh, last two summers ago at Mississippi State in the way they were able to use their indoor facility during the NCAA tournament uh, for teams to get ready for for the game. Uh, perhaps I'm speeding here, but I would also think that uh, a facility facility like that would help you during the postseason. Yeah, you're absolutely, because as you've known over the years, we that's June, and that's when you can get some weather in here. And I mean, you're getting ready to play 
your most important games of the year in the NCAA tournament as you start regionals, super regionals, if you're lucky enough to host both. And here for us, over years, we've had weather come in and, you know, our cages are outdoors. And so you're not able, it's rains in there. And you can't hit on the field in a lot of these tournaments because you got games going on prior to the game you're playing, maybe. And so you're, 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 uh, you're, you're not able to hit on the field. You have to hit in the cages. And the cages are soaking wet. So what do you do? Well, you end up just hitting off of tees and you're getting loose and you're hitting jug balls and you're not hitting baseballs and the coaches can't throw because everything's puddles and soaking wet. So that that's going to be great for us in terms of hoping as we move forward in our program. Uh, you know, we are a team that's going to be hosting many regionals as we have in the past year in super regionals. And just knowing having that indoor, we don't have to worry about that, not only for the tournament, but practicing, getting ready for the tournament. Again, th- th- that time of year is, is, is a little tough, as we know down here in South Florida. Uh, come June, you can start getting those afternoon thunderstorms, and that, that affects us in terms of, again, most important time of the year for us in developing our guys. Talking University University of Miami Baseball with Hurricanes head coach Gino Damari. i got to ask you a couple of questions about uh, we just had the Major League World Series in the playoffs, and I thought they were incredible all the way through the postseason. So two things. First, uh, what has happened to baseball? Closers are starters. Starters are closers. Uh, guys that are number four hitters are leadoff hitters. Shortstops are playing short right field. The game in the postseason was almost unrecognizable, but it was very exciting. Do you expect any of those trends? I guess some of them already have, but do you expect more of those trends to go into college baseball? They were using maybe maybe they used the college baseball formula because some in some of those games it was a new pitcher in every inning. Well, you see that in college in midweek games. We've never been a team that's done that before. We like we're kind of probably the old school of establishing four starters and having the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then the midweek guy go. And that's the way we've always done it. And uh, that's well, not always, but that's the way we've done it for a long time. And uh, and we'll continue to do that. Um, but uh, yeah, when we face team in midweek games, there's a lot of times those teams will uh, will throw nine guys at us in nine innings, and. Um, you know, I think in the playoffs in the NCAA tournament for us, you could see things change a little bit, Joe. Uh, when you get into maybe a loser's bracket and you got to play through them and you got extra games and 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 then you do have to change maybe how you do your pitchers again. Not us as much, maybe, but some other teams have done that. But you're right; the games evolved a lot. Uh, you know, just I'm thinking that that tournament you're talking about my first year when Terrell was hitting against one of the teams I believe it was Central Michigan and they played four outfielders and of course I saw playoffs this I mean in the World Series um and so in in, in the the, maybe the most drastic I mean technology obviously the analytics has changed the game a lot some not for the best as I guess people can argue with the Tampa situation and pulling the pitcher after he dominated for I don't know what was it five innings I think or something like that but um, you know, it's, it's, I think you got to have a balance. I think it's good to have the information. I think you can get overwhelmed and inundated with it. I think you need to use your instincts. You got to use your, your, your ability watching the game as the game transpires in front of you and adjusting from that along with the information you get from all the uh, technology. I think all that's important, but yeah, I mean, shifting, we didn't do that until, you know, my first year, I, you know, JD and I had sat down and talked and we saw some teams doing it against us and, and, you know, we believed in it and, uh, does it always work, but you know, over the course of the year, the percentages play way in favor of moving our defense around. And uh, if you can watch us practice or, I mean, we, we're, we're shifting on our players all the time, our own players, because we know our own players very well. So we're shifting with them and doing different things and, and it's good. I think it's good. Baseball has always been, it seems like for many years, was stuck and stagnant for a while in its ways. I'm glad that it's it's kind of come out of its shell a little bit and it's adjusted to different things. And uh, I know some people might not think it's good, but, you know, I, I have no problem with it. But uh, you're right. It's certainly, the game has changed a lot. And it's still, every World Series, you watch them, they're, they're, they're all so exciting. They're just every year, it seems to, you know, the next the next one seems to be better than the last, and it, uh, this one certainly was that way as well. Kevin Cash got uh, quite a bit of criticism, obviously, but he had a lot of information. 
manage that situation probably the same way all year long. But when you look at a game like that, the importance of a game like that, do you think to yourself, gee, if that situation comes up for me at a World Series, College World Series, do you run that situation over in your mind of what you might do if you're faced with something similar? Yeah, so, you know, again, I try – again, you got to be balanced everything out. and it, Every situation – even though I guess, and if and I could be wrong in, in what happened there, but I believe you know the guy, the, the pitcher, he has basically anytime he gets to the third time around in the lineup, uh, I guess he's not as successful, and that's where he was getting to, and that's when they pulled him, and and so I get it. All right, so you have those numbers and stats that say that, but you also, uh, you, if you're gonna do that, you're, you're to me, and I'm not like this. I would never be like this. I almost is like you're a robot as a coach. And it's not – I don't think it's a good way to, to get the trust of your player because your player, obviously, you can't just say – that. that's not a way to show confidence in him that, you know, every time you get to the third – I'm never going to give you a chance, then he's saying, basically, when you get to the third uh, time around the lineup, you're going to be out of there. Well, what player wants to hear that? Obviously, he's got to prove that he can get those people out. But, you know, he had dominated that game, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm sorry I didn't watch all the games, but I did – hear about what had happened and i watched some of the game he dominated the game up to that point and i believe he had dominated the, the more so the guys that were getting ready to come up already early in the game their first two at bats he had already uh pitched very well again were not successful against him in that situation and uh prior to him being taken out and so you know and i think being a left-handed pitcher he had some lefties coming up too so there's a lot of things that in that particular situation it's maybe different than the other situations when you pull them out and it was they're getting ready to go into their third time around the lineup. You know, the other thing, Joe, I'll speak as a hitting coach and a form a hitter, former hitter and a former hitting coach. That is a huge relief yeah. when you got a pitch dominating you as a team, and I mean dominating mentally, it's draining on you, and you're sitting yourself questioning, "Oh my God, this guy's got great stuff." And oh my, you know, to take him out, and they the offense didn't do anything to take him out. It was the coach. Uh, you know, that's a huge relief and a weight off the shoulders of the offense. It almost is like, I'm, this is kind of going through my mind going, oh my God, they must be thinking, here we go. Now's our chance. They, we got them out of there. We didn't do anything to get them out of there, but we got them out of there. And now here we go. And it's just a mental confidence booster uh, that the, the really the coach is, is doing for the other team, which is not something you want to do. So I'm not like that. I would not be like that. I think you just – every situation's different. And I know it worked for them uh, all the year, all year long, I guess. But uh, it didn't work for them in the most important situation. I know that. That's going to be a long winner uh, for them. Well, it's going to be hopefully a short time until we get to University of Miami baseball. We look forward to uh, a season. We don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but we do look forward to a season, and I think it would be great to have college baseball because college baseball in this town would be some very good medicine, I think, for our community, and hopefully we can get to that. Well, I do too, Joe. And again, like I said, it's always it's good just hearing your voice and, and talking with you because that means kind of we're talking baseball. And of course, you know, again, we got our season taken away from us. So it's a tough situation and nobody's looking forward to getting back to doing what we normally do than our guys here. I know that. So I, I appreciate it. And again, I look forward to talking to you hopefully soon. All right. That's University of Miami head coach Gino Damari. We will continue on the Hurricane Hotline right after this. Let me talk to you for a moment about Williamson Cadillac, a part of Miami's unique community for over 52 years. And Williamson Cadillac serves this community with the same essence that represents the people who live here. Why? Well, because Williamson is Miami. And through the years, Ed Williamson, his lovely wife Carol, they have fostered goodwill and pride in service. They have done it in this community year after year after year. They are well known for their integrity and their honesty. And you can experience everything that Williamson Cadillac has to offer with its award-winning lineup. You can make a statement in their unmistakable XT crossovers engineered to stand out. I love the XT4. Excite your senses in Williamson's CT sedan series 
dedicated to performance or ride in the original icon, the Cadillac Escalade. Right now, visit their state-of-the-art facility. It's easily located at US 1 and 104th Street just south of the Palmetto Expressway or view their entire lineup online at WilliamsonCadillac.com. Williamson Cadillac, your premier luxury dealership. Williamson is Miami. Now back to Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. All right, Friday night, it's Miami and North Carolina States. 7.30 kickoff will be on the air at 3.30 in the afternoon. Joining us now for a look at the game, Jason Benetti. Jason will have the call on ESPN, one of the very talented play-by-play men in our business for ESPN, Chicago White Sox. Even did some University of Miami baseball regional work several years ago. Jason Benetti is with us. I don't know if Jason had a Josie milkshake when he was here, but if he ever comes back, I'm going to make sure he does get one. Jason, good, good evening. How are you? Joe, I don't know if you remember, I had like seven milkshakes during that regional. I I gained like 22 pounds. It was like a fifth of my body weight I put on again. That was that was great fun. That was that wild regional when Columbia rose up and forced a final game. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Then Miami went crazy in the uh, Willie Abreu hit one that's still going. Oh yeah. And then and then Zach Collins ended up on the yep. White Sox and I was like, "I saw you in a regional years ago." That's right. How is uh, how is Zach doing? He's uh, making some progress, I guess, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he ended up in a bad spot this year because they went out and got Yasmani Grandal, uh, who obviously people are very familiar with down there as well. So you get Grandal and McCann, both Gold Glove finalists and previous All Stars. There just wasn't really a spot. So there's a lot of talk about McCann and whether or not he'll resign. So maybe there's a spot for Zach. I mean, he's. He's developed there very well. They like the bat a lot, uh, and, and it's just a matter of a, a place. He's a great kid. We love him. Okay, so you got the game Friday night, Miami, North Carolina State. You have the Friday night games on ESPN. What are you most looking forward to seeing in this game? Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing whether or not Miami's offense can be the version that we saw on that first drive against Virginia for an entire game. And they have been, obviously, at points this year. But, man, I mean, that, that's two plays to a touchdown. And with, with Brevin Jordan being back in the, the lineup, it seems like based on what Manny Diaz has said about how healthy he is. I mean, we the thing about it this year, Joe, is like we – like Eddie State's a very tough team. They love to run the football. It'll be very interesting uh, offense, defense-wise there. But then you get to the game and, like, six guys are out. So, for me – the, the major part of college football this year hasn't necessarily just been like strategy game-wise, but it's been which coaches and which teams can handle best the guarantee of adversity to your roster, let alone health concerns. Yeah, football, uh, it's a, it's a, this year you have to really adjust. When they talk about football as a game of adjustments, this year is really a game of adjustments. Yeah, I mean, uh, we we were we had uh, we had Tulsa a couple weeks ago, and Tulsa was without like three of its top defensive players. They ended up winning by 29 against USF. But I mean, look, this was the way in Major League Baseball this year too, with the lack of a minor league season. We saw a lot of guys come up into the majors with much less experience than they would have typically had. A lot of guys had great success, and so. You know, like like DJ Uyan Galele, the the quarterback for for Clemson, like he played fine. He's not Trevor Lawrence, but it gives guys opportunities. And I just think I think we're living in an age of the most talented athletes who have ever played sports. I mean, whether or not you agree with the way baseball is being played or whatever it is, like there's a ton of talent. There are a ton of guys who grew up wanting to be athletes and were trained for that very prospect. And, like, the Miami defensive line is a great example of that. You can rotate, it seems like, 10 or 11 guys in and not lose anything. So I think the teams with depth are the really fun ones to watch. You had Maryland-Minnesota wild game this past Friday, I believe, right? Uh, What did you think of Tua's brother? Yeah. 
oh my gosh. I mean, well, first of all, I got like 17 tweets that were like, hey, can you stop talking about it being to his brother? So I don't know. You might get some tweets about that too. Yeah. Uh, but it's only it's only his, uh, you know, it was his second start. The kid was awesome. And I mentioned this during the telecast. He came on our Zoom call and he was like, hey, before we get into this, I got a couple questions for Andre Ware. And I love that. I love seeing guys who are such a sponge. I was really impressed by that. But I also, that game was another perfect example of how coaching has changed in 2020 specifically. P.J. Fleck knew that he didn't have a kicker who was totally healthy, who was completely reliable because of an injury history. He had had a hernia surgery. And P.J. told us, that in a typical season, he had it happen with his punter and kicker, who were not their first string guys. In a typical season, they'd have a campus-wide tryout to see who can punt, grab somebody off the soccer team, right? Like that's happened in the ACC and elsewhere. They can't do that in a COVID-19 era, so you just go with what you got. And he ends up faking a punt last week against Michigan from the 31-yard line in his own territory. So we're seeing some of the strangest stuff we're going to see in college football games simply because of the circumstance. Well, University of Miami had their own kicking issues last year and the year before. I think they have solved their kicking issues. And by the way, there are two great kickers in this game. One of the sidebar stories, I guess, they're two very good place kickers in this game. Yeah, we got we got kickers in this. I was going to say when you were talking about kicking issues, I was like, Miami is the, the last team that has any kicking issues right now. And thankfully, I mean, we've seen like pop-up kicks. We've seen pooch kicks. We've seen squibs just to try to avoid regular kicking situations. But for me, I mean, I've watched De'Ara King play almost two full games now, whether live or watching tape. Uh, talking to Rhett Lashley today, he was so bullish about the preparation and consistency of De'Ara King and I'd like to say watch him up close, but specifically for our game, we're, we're working from home, so I won't see him in the stadium. But, I mean, this kid, to me, he looks like a pro quarterback already in terms of decision-making and things he's doing. I'm excited to see him as we watch a game unfold. You mentioned you are working from home for the game. Uh, truth be told, I am working from home right now. I'm in my home office. Uh, this has been an interesting time, but calling the games not in the stadium has to be, well, I can tell you from my experience, it is different because we're, we're calling it from a baseball stadium, but you're calling it from home and doing a very good job with it, but it's a challenge, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and the other part of it is, Joe, I mean, I always, I always liken it to a, going to a concert, and, like, I, I saw Elton John in concert in Vegas a couple years ago. And I always think about it as, well, if Elton John had his piano break in the middle of the concert or, like, a string break, what do you do about it? Do you complain to the audience or do you just do you keep playing or what do you do? And I think the answer for people who really understand audiences is, like, we, we really have to try to do everything we can to make the experience the best version of that for the audience. It doesn't mean it's great. It doesn't mean that there are good things coming from that. Like, it's more difficult to do our job. But I also think there's some fun and exhilaration in trying to make it as good as possible so people can have a great night watching the game. And I hate when we miss something. And I'd like to say... You know, it's impossible to do even better, but there's always some better you can do. It's just a matter of, like, I, I, I want to put on the best show as, as I can, and Andre feels the same way, and we all do in our industry. But if we all went on Twitter and we're like, hey, we're working from in a stadium, it's very difficult, I just don't know that people care as much as we'd like them to care. So I guess what I'm saying is uh, we're trying to do everything we can to make it the same as it would be otherwise, even though it's difficult. Yeah, I think we're all very grateful we're calling games. Jason Benetti is our guest, play-by-play voice from ESPN. Uh, somebody asked me, what's it like without the big crowds? And I said, well, it's kind of like uh, an orchestra or the band without the instruments, uh, because you don't have the, the big yeah. crowd to play off of. Yeah, Joe, I mean, it was so strange this year. We had a, we had a White Sox no-hitter. And it happened in our ballpark, thankfully, so it wasn't a road game we were doing off a monitor. But watching a no-hitter develop, 
the, the people who are really key in a sporting event now are directors because they're the ones that pick the camera shots. And so we had zoom-in shots on Lucas Giolito, the pitcher, and we had shots of his catcher, James McCann. And I kind of got lost in it by being there. But it is more difficult without an audience because you just don't have that typical rise and fall. And then sitting at home doing it, you, it's, it's easy to get lulled into, like, I'm on my couch. And so you, rem- you have to remember, like, you have to project like you're in a stadium, which can absolutely mess with your mind. Jason Benetti is our guest. Hey, Jason, uh, speaking of baseball for a moment, and, and I mentioned this with our other coaches that were on the show tonight with their individual sports, whether it's basketball or baseball, and we just had Gino DeMari on. So our most recent uh, viewing of professional sports, the World Series, were you surprised, not only in the World Series, but in the playoffs, how much emotion the players showed? I thought it was fabulous. It reminded me of guys going back to playing when they were in Little League or Colt League or whatever the case may be. That is amazing that you just said that because I had the same feeling from about day two of that second spring training, the summer camp, like they called it. It, it was It's remarkable because I think the guys felt like they had to bring extra energy. And I think when you get on a field, you said it, like Little League, you realize that you're doing it for you and you're doing it for your teammates. And I think there was a lot of that. Like, we have to create our own energy. It's not like they were messing around in their backyard, but they had kind of the emotion of that. I thought that was that was actually what you just brought up was my favorite part of baseball this year, is that it actually felt like the boys of summer again. Yeah, I, th- I just thought that it was a very good lesson for anybody involved in sports to look at these guys that uh, they played uh, basically for the love of the game and nobody's in the stadium and they're high-fiving or in the Dodgers' case, dislocating shoulders after home runs. But I, I, thought, <laughs> I really thought it added to the, to the drama of the games and, and I thought uh, they should be saluted for the way they played. What do you think about, we got a big game inside the ACC, what do you think about the uh, Notre Dame-Clemson game on Saturday night? Man, Clemson... If, and like I, I went to Syracuse, and I don't say this out of out of like love for Syracuse. If Clemson, uh, if Clemson treated everybody like anybody but Syracuse, they would never lose in the ACC. I feel like because I mean they're they're a buzzsaw. But the way they looked against Syracuse in the first three quarters, they looked absolutely mortal. And I think Notre Dame has some guys that like they they have some skill players that can make this difficult and obviously if Trevor Lawrence isn't isn't taking the snaps I mean I haven't seen today I was just kind of I was kind of in the in the bubble with uh talking to your coaches and uh, you know watching election coverage whether whether we like that or not um but I I I haven't seen if Trevor Lawrence's status has changed but if it's not Trevor Lawrence I mean and I don't think it could be based on timing but but we'll see so like I if it's not Trevor Lawrence, obviously that's, that's a negative for Clemson. I think it's actually going to be a really good game. I think Notre Dame's going to play them tight. I think if uh, Notre Dame, if things were in normal circumstances, based on history, if Notre Dame had a full house, Notre Dame it has had a history of upsetting number one ranked teams. I think that would make the game even tighter. I do think it would be a close game, but uh, Clemson I think just has – too much, too much pride, too much talent, although some of those injuries, I think, uh, have hurt them on defense. So we'll see. Uh, our game coming up on Friday, I think it's going to be a, a very entertaining game. I hope it's more entertaining for our side. <laughs> yeah, well, let's get, let's get a good game, and I will not play favorites, but you know how much I enjoy your work, Joe, and I'm, I'm glad we got to chat here. I miss getting to see you, but uh, I'll see you at some point down the line. All right, Jason, thanks very much for joining us here on our show tonight, and uh, we look forward to talking with you in the future as well. Thanks very much. Thanks, Joe. All right, that's uh, Jason Benetti from ESPN, and when we come back, we'll hear from University of Miami head coach Manny Diaz. He had a very interesting conversation with our Joe Rose. That is coming up next on the Hurricane Hotline. Now back to Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. 
remember that Miami Hurricanes football on the Joe is sponsored by Milam's Markets, your football tailgating headquarters at the stadium. And for your home parties, Milam's Markets. Joe, we're going to jump out to the Toyota of Hollywood hotline right now. Talk to the head coach of the University of Miami football team, Manny Diaz, right now. Manny, good. Happy Monday. How are you? You got a Friday night game this week. Short week for you, coach. Yeah, it's an unusual week, but uh, we're excited to get back out on the field and uh, be able to play on uh, and Friday night in Raleigh. All right, coach, we got to get it out of the way. I know, I know every coach in America is tired of talking about it at every level. Uh, you feel like you're in pretty good shape with with guys being able to play Friday night because of you-know-what? Are, are you in pretty good shape as of right now? <laughs> well, yeah, as of now, we still, we still got uh, three more tests between now and the game. I mean, you just, you know, I mean, I, I think we're so accustomed to, you know, you take every day's news as it comes. Um you know, I mean, we've today. Today is actually a Wednesday practice for us, and we'll be on the field here in about a, an hour and a half. And and we've had good preparation. Uh, but like I said, we've, we've got we're, we're testing today. We'll test on Wednesday and Thursday, and um, and then the other you know added piece. You know, this is kind of the common for this time of year is just you know people just get sick this time of year, just you know normal you know illnesses, and you got to hold guys out. We we held the guy out for the Virginia game that that just was sick because you know you got symptoms and you're not sure and so it's just look it's 2020. Uh, this is what what uh, we're all dealing with. Uh, and like I said, the, the credit goes to the players that that uh, take care of those take care of themselves and uh, take care of their teammates. Coach, what's the, what's the biggest things you have your bye week? I know everybody's talked about the post bye week blues and in, in the past and stuff, but. What do you work on the most? What, what, what were some of the things you felt like you need to clean up a little bit before this NC State um, Friday night? Well, no, by, by, no bye weeks are the same because of where you are in the season. Uh, you know, an early bye week, you may still be, you know, go back into more of a training camp mode later in the year. Um, you know, you're, you're probably more healing your guys. This one came at a time we were right sort of at the halfway point of the season. So we had a great opportunity to, to go look at who we were, um, collectively scheme wise and then every individual player and we had the coaches make sort of point of attack tapes for all their players uh, where they could really analyze look halfway through the season this is what the opponents see out of you and here's some things that are giving you trouble here's some things that you're doing well and um, and let's really focus on our weaknesses you know we, we don't you know we, we don't we don't run from the the bye week thing we're aware of that but but like I said I, I think when you look at it over the over the the, the course of the two years we have struggled more playing against teams that we have not respected, uh, whether that was after a bye or not after a bye. And I think that's what we have spent the majority of our time this year um, of playing every week with the utmost respect for all of our opponents and, and just trying to present ourselves as the best version of Miami. And that's served us well so far. Coach, do you think that when you put out the depth chart and you had the oars there with the wide receivers that that woke up a couple of your older guys to say, we're not necessarily the top dogs anymore on this wide receiver core, even though we're the oldest guys on this team and the young guys are going to get some more time. Do you think that to put a little bit of, you know what, in maybe their back pocket, the or just on the depth chart? You have to, you'd have to say so. You know, I mean, um, competition is the best coach that there is. And I, I think the development of some, some of our young wide receivers, I think, helped. Um, there's been some other spots where I think we've had some similar competition. Um you know, to try to really improve the play of our team since since the uh, Virginia game, and uh, and look, ideally, we've been talking about this. This is this is the way to build a program where you've got to be able to recruit enough depth to come in where nobody really feels comfortable and can get complacent with their starting role. And you hear all the great Miami teams in the past talk about it. You heard you heard guys say, "I if, I wouldn't want to go out of practice with a sprained ankle because I'd worry I'd never get my spot back." And and that's what we're recruiting to, and that's what we're trying to build our program to. Where at every spot, the guys feel like they've got to they've got to bring it every day because they know the next guy up will take their job at any time. All right, coach, I got to speak because I, I know uh, speak to you about the the recruiting stuff within uh, the radio v rules and regulations that we're able to. Um, so off week, you got everybody in South Florida. Broward played last week. There's there's no travel, right? And so there's no. Can you go to local games? Were you able to go to any local, or everything's got to be done from home? It, it's we're we're in a complete dead period for the entire calendar year, so there's no wow. in-person scouting. Um, the only thing we can do is just watch video, and so um, so we're doing that. It's it's great to be able to watch some of our guys uh, commits play and some of our targets play, and it's been a hard year. You know, I I, I will say this, I, I you know, I do really feel for 
of all the things in 2020, you know, you've got guys, some states aren't even playing football, but you've got some guys playing very short seasons and, and they don't get these years back, you know, and, and right. in college football, you know, the NCAA made a provision that everybody can, you know, this year doesn't count, but if you're in 12th grade, this is all you got. If you're in 11th grade, this is all you got. And you remember, I don't think anybody that ever played football at any level will ever forget their high school career. And um, I do really feel for these guys, these, these coaches, because they, they've, they missed the season, and, and there's only so many opportunities. You, you, only, you only get to be 17 years old once. Coach, uh, offensive line, real quickly here. I know there's different parts of the team, and you talked about self-evaluation and things that guys are doing when you go back and look at them. I'm just curious, when you look at the offensive line, is it more technique, or what's some of the biggest problems you're having? Are guys physically getting neutralized too much? or What, what do you see mostly with your offensive line? Uh, I, I see a line that's that's getting better. I, I guess it, I guess it's we're trying to figure out what uh, the issues are in terms of more consistent run game or protection. I mean, you know, I think it's we, we've talked about this many times in the past. I, I, it's always a little. Um, I think we, we we act at times as the offensive line operates in a vacuum. Right. Um, if we look at Virginia's defense, for example, North Carolina this past week, North Carolina. The two best running backs, or two as good running backs in the country, they could right. run for 100 yards on on Virginia. Um, they're going to make it hard to run the ball, and they're going to get after the quarterback. Now, North Carolina threw for a whole bunch of yards, but they lost the game to Virginia. Who, guess what? They're a tough out, as we found out. So, um, our guys are getting better. Uh, it's good to have all of our guys back in the lineup, and you know, certain certain guys are going to have a better performance week in week out. And I think that's what we're kind of on is that. Yeah, everybody working on their technique fundamentals, staying connected as a group, um, and then and then the backs, the Eric, everybody understanding um, what we're trying to accomplish on every play. Coach, we talk a lot about the defensive line here and even the defensive backfield, but your linebacker core, Bradley Jennings, Zach McLeod, and the crew there, how are they playing in your eyes? Are they playing up to par where you want them to play, or, or is there a need for improvement there at that position? No, well, we can certainly play better there. Um, I think, you know, we, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I think putting those tapes together and uh, showing the plays that are, that are giving those guys issues, um, I think has helped. I think seeing some things that, that have been good for them. Um, you know, and then we got to keep pushing competition at that spot as well. Uh, we got to get some of the young guys behind them healthy and uh, and, and back on the field because I think that's made us that's made us better and uh, and so uh, you know I think it's been a good week for those guys um, you know and uh, we expect them to play all of them to play a lot better in the second half of the season than they did the first half. Hey, coach, uh, you're you're right, and we're going to ask you about Virginia beating North Carolina every week in the ACC, trying to figure out how I, I did not every week there's a game and that's the one. I was shocked to see. Virginia put 44 on North Carolina. Did that surprise you at all, watching tape on both teams? The game went, um, you know, I mean, Virginia, they're offensively, they, they, they just got on a roll. And, and we said that they're, they, can get you, um, they can get you on your heels defensively a little bit. And, and, you know, that's what it looked like happened. But um, it, it's pretty simple, though. We keep saying it. If you, if you just don't. The day you think you can't get beat is usually exactly when yeah. it happens, and uh, and then you got it. You got to give these teams credit. Um, and Virginia getting their quarterback back, you can see the spark they had. And then the other thing you just see is the teams that are you know, if somebody's running their quarterback now, they can become difficult to stop. And, and uh, so you got to credit the staff of Virginia and what they've done the last couple of weeks. And that's why I'm proud of our guys. I mean, look, it's not always going to be a beauty contest, but you know, short of one drive, but one bad drive in the second half. And the opening drive of the game, we kind of beat the heck out of those guys and held them to 14 points, which ultimately gave us a chance to win because we didn't score a whole bunch that day. So, um, you know, it's it's every week. You know, all you can do is go 1-0 and every week, and uh, and we've got another challenge this week with NC State. Hey, Coach, uh, just back to, to the uh, – r- real quickly in this new world of, uh, of recruiting and stuff that's going on, not just your recruiting class that you got verbal commitments from, but, like, when a guy all of a sudden pops up, I know there's some guys up there really having good years here in the first couple of games they've played in Dayton Broward. Um, how do you go about finding out about those guys? Like w- without, like, is it coaches call you? Is it help me out on that part? I know you, you but the guys are just late bloomers. W- what do you do on that to find those guys? 
Yeah, I think that's one of the great things about our staff is we do have a lot of connections in the community. Uh, so we certainly do get calls. Uh, we, we have a lot of respect of the opinions of, of the coaches down here because a lot of times they know the kids and they'll know the kids at other schools that they may know the kids from the time that they were in the youth leagues. Um, so we're always fielding calls and saying, hey, you, you guys may want to check this guy out. Um, and then, and then we're, we're, we're pouring through the film. I mean, that's what our recruiting staff does, and um, we're always looking out. And, and I've told our, our staff to double down on those efforts this year because um, it's, you know, not just the dead period, but not having camps in the summer and not having the guys on your campus. Um, but, you know, there, there's, there's some big-time players that, you know, some of these high schools down here are so good and they put out so many D1 prospects a year that, you know, they, they may have four guys go D1 off of last year's team, and then the backup, who, who has hardly had a chance to even feature, he's now starting this year. And he may, you know, you're like, wow, where did this guy come from? Well, he was playing behind some guy last year, you know, that, that went to Miami or went somewhere like that. So, so we're just we're, – we're, we're paying extra, extra, extra attention to the, to the game film this year and, uh, and looking for guys in the senior class that are popping and, and showing that they're, you know – that they're legit or even, and then certainly the young classes as well. Yeah. What game do you want me at this week, coach? Right, what what right. game do you want me at this week? I, 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 I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. Just let, me, cliff notes. let me check the schedule. <laughs> the Joe Rose right. cliff notes on recruiting. Hey, right, I got to tell right. you, I stood next to coach when he was defensive coordinator. And I, I won't say who the guy is. And he was a very young player and coach had zoned in on him a long, long time ago. And he really is a good player, Coach. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Hey, Coach, thank you. I look forward to having him. Yeah. Hey, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are too much. Good coach, answer, Coach. Right? Coach, thank you very much for coming on this morning. We appreciate it. Good luck Friday night, Coach. Okay, guys. Thank you, son. All right, Manny Diaz joining us on the Toyota of Hollywood Hotline. Remember, Miami Hurricanes football on the Joe, sponsored by Milam's Markets, your football tailgating headquarters at the stadium for your home parties, Milam's Markets. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.